This is the Hot Stove Report. Going, going, goodbye baseball. On 710 ESPN Seattle. 710sports.com and the 710 Seattle app. Uh, welcome back. Glad you're with us inside the Hot Stove Report. Hour number two getting underway. Aaron Goldsmith and Gary Hill. And uh, we're really excited to be joined by young Mariners reliever Joey Gerber, who is joining us from his car in Peoria, Arizona. And uh, this is not a driving while talking situation. Joey is, is safely parked. Uh, Joey, tell us what, what's, go, what's going on with you exactly right now, man. Okay, so um, here's the deal. My in past experiences with Zoom, uh, I found out that my normal Wi-Fi and my data on my phone are usually like terrible. So the easiest solution is for me to just drive over to Starbucks and use their Wi-Fi so that everyone can hear me. I can see everyone. And so that's exactly what I'm doing right now. So just to be clear, you're you are. A young man with big league service time bumming Wi-Fi from a coffee shop. Yep, that's <laughs> you couldn't have put it any better. <laughs> that's, that's exactly what's going on. Yeah, I, I I really hope that when you reach ten years of service time, that nothing's changed for you. Yeah, and me too. <laughs> still still going to Starbucks. Hey, nothing wrong with that though. Nothing wrong. Starbucks has quality Wi-Fi, so it works. Hey, uh, you're uh, you're in Peoria. Uh, the yep. sun is shining. Uh, we're hoping to see you down there at spring training when when we arrive on the scene. Uh, what's been your off season like so far? Um. Well, okay. So my main plan for this off season was obviously, I mean, just can't get COVID. That's the main thing. You get COVID and you can't work out. Your everything gets set back. Obviously, it's not good for society or your own health too. So there's these things, but. My main thing was I was throwing slower this past year than in 2019 in spring training in 2022 uh, so because of, you know, there's various reasons, mostly because of the whole quarantine situation. And so my main thing has just been lifting and trying to get back to, you know, where I normally am. And so I've been, you know, just working out at the Mariners complex since really October. And uh, that's pretty much been the entire off season. So it's been good. It's been good. I'm enjoying the weather here. I'm from Minnesota originally. So obviously that's not anywhere near as nice as Peoria, Arizona. <laughs> we we want we definitely want to talk to you about that. Uh, but I'm curious, uh, something you just said, how quarantine affected your velo is basically what you said in so many words. Can you explain that a little bit more? Right. So um, when I got sent back, um, the whole situation, everything shut down. Like you can't go to a gym or anything. My parents didn't want me to go to a gym either because like realistically they didn't want COVID and obviously that's like the right move. So I had to work out, you know, in my basement and we don't really have weights. So it was kind of a makeshift (laughs) try to do what I can thing, but you can't really, it's, it was tough for me to maintain like my explosiveness. And I like, I throw, if you've ever seen me throw, like I throw really weird. Like I rely on being like just pure explosiveness, pure intent to like throw hard. And I kind of lost a little bit about a little bit of that. In addition to the fact that I didn't really have a solid, like a consistent catch partner. So I was a lot of times I was just throwing against like a tree in my backyard or into a shed. And that's not really a good way to maintain your baseball playing abilities. So don't recommend that, but <laughs> that's what happened. There was, you know, it's 2020. You got to do what you got to do. I knew like no one knew what was going on. We were told like, go where you feel safest. And 
and that was just back home for me. So that's what I did. You did pitch at the big leagues last year and you pitched well at the big leagues last year. How do you feel like the year went for you? I was ecstatic to get called up in the first place. I mean, I was never, that was the last thing I was going to guess is that they were going to call me up last year. Um, so I was, I mean, dude, I was just grateful for every time I got out there. I mean, it was, it was really, it was honestly a blast. It was kind of weird. Cause it was like, you know, it's 2020, there's all these protocols. So you, it feels a little just different, but I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, you're still playing baseball and once you, once you get on the mound, it, fe- it felt like a game. So, I mean, I was just, you know, I dude, I was just having a blast going out there and competing every time, you know, it was, it was just fun to be playing baseball when, you know, we had that stretch where we couldn't, and we, I knew like a lot of people weren't getting the opportunity. So it was, it was good. It was good. <laughs> no complaints for me. We're talking with Mariners reliever, Joey Gerber. Joey, did, do you still have, did you keep uh, something, some memento, uh, whether it be from your debut or your first season in general that uh, you plan on having forever? Uh, I bought a lot of jerseys that I wore <laughs> there. Um, I also, I got my first, like the first baseball I threw, um, I, that got whoever was catching had, maximum feel and decided to toss that to the, the dugout so i got to keep that one and that's about i haven't really thought about that actually to be honest but i i mean i'm gonna keep everything that i've got that i've like kept kind of i i anticipate keeping forever like you know i mean it's first year in the bigs like that doesn't you don't get that back do you have a moment where at some point you're on the mound and you were looking around like here I am. I mean, is somebody you faced or a moment that it really hit home? Yeah, uh, honestly, yeah, it was my second outing. And so I came in, so I came in the uh, top half or not top half, just one inning and I got a guy out or something. And leading off the top half of the next inning was Mike Trout. And like he, as he was walking up, I'm kind of like, well, like, cause I always joked about in spring training about how I wanted to face Mike Trout. Cause I actually did want to face Mike Trout. Cause I thought it would be a really cool experience to face the best guy like on the planet. And like, he was just walking in the box. I'm like, wow, I'm facing Mike Trout right now. And it was, it was kind of weird. Cause it, I didn't feel like it was a really like, oh my gosh, it's Mike Trout. It's just like, it felt very normal. Mike Trout was just another batter, but I'm also like, it's Mike Trout. So, <laughs> and then, I mean, I faced him and it went well. So I'm never going to forget that. And hopefully just never, I mean, I want to face him and just strike him out, but I also don't want to face him again. Cause I also got him out and it's hopefully, I don't want to give up a hit to him either, but, but that was probably the, that was probably the moment that comes close to what you're saying. It's just like, whoa. Joey, you're, you're a Minnesota kid who, Pitched his college ball in the Big Ten at the University of Illinois. So, you, man, you have pitched in some cold weather your whole life. Yeah. What was what was high school baseball like for you? Oh, high school baseball. Well, okay, so I remember my first varsity outing when I was a sophomore. It was like 40 degrees with 30-mile-an-hour winds. And I'm pretty sure it was also like – it was either the end of April or early May. Um, and I remember it because my first two innings or I pitched either three or like, I think into the third first two innings went fine. Then we had like a 30 minute, like inning top half where we or bottom half, I guess we were home 
where we just like scored like nine or 10 runs. And then I let up about eight in the next half inning because there's all that downtime because I was freezing. But, you know, I really didn't, I didn't pitch that much in high school. You know, I wasn't really that good in high school. I mean, I, I was like, I was better than a lot of guys. Like I threw, I threw a little harder than most people. Um, but like, at least in the high school season, I really didn't get that many opportunities to pitch. And then I pitched mostly in the summer and really Illinois just took a shot at me because I think, I mean, I don't know. You'd have to talk to them why they actually took me, but I think it was just cause I was projectable. I was a tall, skinny, right-handed guy who could touch 90. And then I was a big boost to the team GPA cause I was smart. <laughs> so, and they also, they needed pitchers. They lost like 10 or nine or 10 pitchers the year before. So they really needed people to fill in. So I, I think like they're the only school that ever offered me anything, which is pretty surprising. Cause a lot of, you know, a lot of guys at this level, it's like, you know, they're high school all American or something like, you know, like Jared Kalanick or somebody who is, you know, sixth overall pick. He's been good at baseball his whole life. So it's I baseball in Minnesota was, you know, I was more just like a normal player who just threw a little harder than everyone. Cause people don't throw that hard, you know, 90 in Texas, touching 90 in Texas, that's not doing anything, but like touching 90 in Minnesota, that's, that's kind of hard. So, so what happened at the beginning of your time in Illinois to now, what was, what happened? How did you get from there to here? Yeah. You know, that's a good question. Um, I, you know, I, there's a lot of, like, I went into re I, I, my freshman year, I, I really did bad. You can look at my stats. They're online. I like people at 400 off me. I threw six innings. Didn't really go that well. I was throwing 86, 88 with no real off speed. And I looked up, like I'd been looking up stuff online since, you know, freshman year of high school. But like, I looked more in depth for like what I needed to do to throw hard. And I also, so we had at Illinois, my freshman year, we had a first rounder named Cody Sedlock, who was, he, he was touching like 97 and stuff like that. My biggest takeaway at least was he threw that hard because he was incredibly strong and really worked hard, like in the weight room and just tried to throw hard. And so basically I, that summer, I didn't even play for a summer ball team. You know, most guys in college, they go off to a summer league. They just sent me home and, I just played in a local, it was at that point, it was a second tier town ball team with just some of my buddies from high school. And I was just the entire time I was just working to throw as hard as I could because I figured that was my best opportunity to get innings the next year. Cause our, we lost our bullpen that year, like after my freshman year, like the back end of the bullpen left. So that was wide open. So I figured my best shot of getting innings was to throw as hard as I could and hopefully I'd get a shot. And I came back in the fall throwing like 89, 91, 92. And then that spring, I was about 90, 93. And then the next junior, I just kept that same mentality because like it was working. I got the closer job that year and, you know, I was doing well enough. So same mentality, same idea, 93, 95, my junior year. And then like, I honestly, I really just, same thing. It's like, it's really just knowing what I needed to work on at any given point in time and like just working as hard as I could to achieve that versus high school. I was more just like, I was just playing cause I didn't want to play baseball, you know? 
So and that, that's kind of what it is. Like I, I realized when I got to pro ball, like same thing, same mentality. Like I, I gained another VLI I had 95 in 2019. And then obviously there's that dip this past year, but then I also really realized how much I needed to work on a slider when I got to pro ball, especially locating it. So that was a big focus for me at, especially when I got to double A, but the biggest thing for me is just putting in the effort, like, and really knowing what I actually needed to work on to get better. That was, that's been the biggest thing for me. Cause a lot of people, everyone works hard, but not everyone knows what they should be doing, or maybe they work on the wrong stuff or the, the timing's just off. So especially as you get higher up, everyone's working hard. So it's really just focusing, every, just trying to maximize your awareness for what needs to be done at any given point of time. More from Joey in just a moment. A quick reminder, the Mariners Community Tour presented by Root Sports is back in 2021 and going virtual. Tune into public public live streams featuring Mariners players and broadcasters as they discuss their off-seasons and the outlook of the season ahead. For more information, dates, and times, visit mariners.com slash community tour. But good stuff with Joey Gerber. When we come back on the Hot Stove Report, we're going to talk about Joey away from the field a little bit. That's straight ahead on the Alaska Airlines Mariners Radio Network. All things Mariners, all off-season. The Hot Stove on 710 ESPN Seattle, 710sports.com, and the 710 Seattle Sports app. Good fastball, hard slider. Here's a swing and a ground ball to short. Charging is Crawford. One-hands it on the run. The throw to first, and it's in time to get Trout. So in his first two appearances in the big leagues, Joey Gerber has retired a couple of future Hall of Famers a couple of days ago was Pools, and now he gets Mike Trout to ground out to short to J.P. Crawford here in the top of the fifth inning. What a thrill for that kid from Maple Grove, Minnesota. Glad you're with us once again on the Hot Stove Report. Aaron Goldsmith and Gary Hill joined right now once again by Mariners reliever Joey Gerber. Joey, we got to we got to talk Twitter, man. <laughs> yeah. Can we, can we talk Twitter? You sound excited. Oh, of course. Okay. Would you rather talk Twitter or sliders? You tell me. Uh, you know, let's do Twitter. <laughs> All right. First, we got a lot to break down here, Joey. Okay. First, I want to know uh, the inspiration behind your handle at Gerb underscore Nation. I mean, this is a big, this is a big handle, man. That's a lot to live up to, Gerb Nation. Yeah. So. My Twitter, I didn't have social media um, at all going into college. And, you know, I really can't remember exactly, like, who started it. But somebody started calling me Gerb Nation as a joke because my personality, like, I, I'm just kind of slow to open up, like, once, like, in person at least. Like, I don't, I don't know how to explain it, especially in college. College, too, I was, like, I was shy and stuff. And so it was, like, the opposite personality of me was Gerb Nation. And so they somebody just started calling me as a joke and so my twitter started out like low-key as a joke like the fact that i even had a twitter account and so i did gerb nation as my twitter handle so that's now 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 you understand why somebody listening right now even if they're hearing you for the very first time they they have a hard time believing that you're shy and have a hard time like (laughs) talking with people okay well I'm not like shy. I was in college, I guess you could say, like at least initially freshman year, like new environment, whatever. But it's more I'm I'm the kind of person where especially like because when I'm on Twitter, it's just like I'm joking. So I'm like 
basically almost like, okay, what would it, is this just generically funny? Like something I'd say with my friends versus I try to be, I'm not, I know I'm not, but like, I try to be semi-normal if I first meet you. <laughs> so the only way I can do that is by just not talking as much. So it's, I don't, people who know me would understand this. Like they'd probably be better in explaining this than I am. I don't know, but it's, that's, I'm not, I'm not this guy who's like over the top, just this, you know, I'm not going to fill up the room and with like my outgoingness, I guess. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I think, I think I'm not you're, loud. You're, you're doing a great job at being semi-normal to put it in words. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Thanks. I'm trying. I'm also doing a great job of being me, I'm sure. But <laughs> so what, what Gary and I have done, Joey, is we have, We've spent our free time scrolling through the archive of your tweets. Oh, I love this. Yeah. And we're just going to kind of, and Gary and I have not gone back and forth. We don't know what one another have chosen, but we're just going to kind of, we want to get a look inside Joey's mind. So we're just going to kind of throw some of these at you. want to know, Hey man, what was going on? (laughs) Sure. No, I'm up for this. So I'm going to, I'm going to start things off. Once again, it's at Gerb underscore nation if you want to follow Joey. Joey Gerber is our guest, Mariner's reliever. All right, December 10th, 2020, Joey. And I quote, melons are another highly overrated food. Yeah. What you got against melons, man? Dude, they just don't taste that good. You always get them. You get a fruit cup, right? Like at a restaurant or something. Like they always got these melons that are just not good. They're giving you the worst they've got. And in general... (laughs) Melons, like you compare them to other, like people really love watermelons. I don't really like watermelons that much. I've, they're always kind of watered down. Like they don't right. have much taste. I don't like the texture. It's like this crunchiness that doesn't, it's like not ice, but it's not, <laughs> I don't, I don't know. It's, it's just not doing it for me, but people like watermelons and other melons, like, you know, honeydew, cantaloupe, people like these apparently because people are eating them and I just don't like them. So you know, I'm letting the world know it's not for me. They're overrated. They are the filler of the fruit world. I will give you that. Okay. Okay. We can agree on this. At yeah, least. Absolutely. All right, Gary, uh, you're up. August 22nd, 2020. Chairs need to be comfortable, but not too comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, gosh, how, where did this one come from? Um, I want to say... I was sitting in a comfortable chair and I really didn't want to get up. So I was, I was just thinking like, like this is just too comfortable because I need to be doing stuff right now and I don't want to leave this chair. So I'm pretty sure that's what, like most of my tweets are like this. It's like, I just think of something and it's like, okay, five seconds later, I'll just tweet it out. Or I just make some dumb connection in my brain for some joke and just, it kind of comes out. And that's, that's most of the time what's going on in my Twitter like what's going on in my brain too. So, so, you know, I, I, I also naturally don't really need to filter much. Cause I don't like, there's really not much in my brain going on. That's like going to be appropriate to put in. The <laughs> so like, <laughs> what you, like I'm very, as you can tell, I'm just very transparent, very like this, this is what it is, you know, like that's just kind of me. So that's also my Twitter. You know, uh, Joey, during the quarantine period where you were throwing a ball into a barn or a shed or off of a tree, uh, I, I was eating just 
copious amounts of eggs. Like sure. eggs, it was, just, oh, no, it, was, it was just a it was just a steady egg. Truthfully, eggs and chips. It was well balanced. Um, <laughs> De- December sixth, twenty twenty. After today, the apartment now has less than one hundred eggs in the fridge. Might be time to go to the store. Are you also Joey on a heavy egg diet? Yeah. So I have about I have, I have like five eggs for breakfast. I'd say. Um, like, you know, every day, um, I mean, it's a joke, obviously I don't need to go to the store to get more eggs when we got a hundred in the apartment, but my roommate also, he has a lot of eggs. Uh, so he was, he made the point. He's like, we're, we're going to be under a hundred eggs. Cause he's, he's kind of the same as me. Like he jokes around just stupidly like I do. And like, he's going to be like, Oh, we're, we're almost under a hundred eggs. I'm like, that's not good. We might need to go to the store. And so <laughs> It's, you know, it's just another everyday experience for, are are you buying, I assume you're buying the bulk two dozen cards yeah, uh, or maybe you know, 18. He actually, he does the grocery shopping for the eggs specifically. And, <laughs> like, <laughs> and they, there's, I want to say there's like 60 or something in the little container. Oh man. Yeah, like there's a lot. I've never actually, I don't even know where he's getting these eggs because I've <laughs> never seen anywhere where eggs come in things like this, but that's why he's getting them. Now, we, we want to talk to you about, I think, in fact, we when you came out with this tweet in the middle of August, we actually put it up on the little score bug on a root telecast because it was so topical and so well-phrased. This was in light of the Fernando Tatis Jr. Grand Slam uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. that okay. uh, upset some people in Arlington. And, you know, the, for those who don't recall, the, the score was uh, a little out of hand in favor of the Padres. And it was a 3-0 count, and Tatis swung, and he crushed a home run, which happened to be a Grand Slam. And the Rangers took exception to it. And uh, Joey said, I think hitters should take 3-0 and when their team is ahead by a lot. They should also take 0-2 on BP fastballs when their team is down by a lot. Hitters on the opposing team should never swing the bat at a hittable pitch. <laughs> Which was a really good tweet from anybody, but it was specifically and especially great by someone who makes a living uh, pitching in Major League <laughs> Baseball. So I, I am curious, just when, when you saw all the hoopla that came along with that and what it brought on, and we talk all the time about how great hands this game is in with this young generation of players, this uber-talented class of young players that you are now joining. Uh, what, what was it? I, I, I know your answer, but what were your overall uh, impressions and thoughts when, when that went down? You know, I mean, in general, like, I don't get – like, any other sport, everyone's okay with celebration and people, you know, just generically being happy. So, like – like, you know, soccer celebrations, for instance, are, like, way over the top. But no one's got a problem with that. So, like, I don't have a problem with people celebrating in general. Now, he swings at a 3-0 fastball. Like, look, you never know when a team's going to come back. I mean, the game's unpredictable. So, like, and especially with, like, how players are evaluated. Like, you don't, you get evaluated on every single pitch. Like, you can't just, like, take a pitch off. That's not – there's no – that's just not a thing. So, like – he, you make a bad pitch on 3-0 and he hits it like, you know, tough. But on the other hand, 
I always want to be successful as a pitcher. And the easiest way to be successful is to just pipe fastballs in there and just have hitters not swing. So if they just never swing at anything, (laughs) I will strike out everyone. And that would be wonderful. So that's at at the end of the day, that's really what should happen is hitters should just never swing. If it's a terrible pitch, then obviously you swing the bat. But I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't, the whole, I don't know. There's all these unwritten rules that just, it's like, really? Like, I mean, it's a game, you know, just have fun. And you know, it's also competition. If you make a bad pitch, like, you know, he's not, if he, if he hits that same pitch and grounds out, like no one's saying anything. It's just like, that's just a dumb swing on his part because it was three Oh and he grounded out. I mean, that's, that's my take at least. I don't know. Joy, what are you most looking forward to in this upcoming season? Who I'm most looking forward to. That's a, that's a really good dude. I just love playing baseball. So like just being, being healthy and playing at my peak, I would love, I would love to be in the big leagues with like fans in the stadium. Cause obviously like I've never been in the big leagues with fans at the stadium. So I think that would be a really cool experience. Cause when I was in even spring training was really something like when we went to the, who were we playing? I think with the diamondbacks at a uh, talking stick that like they had, you know, 10,000 people or the Dodgers had 10,000 people on a Friday night uh, at Camelback ranch. And like, that was really cool for me. And that's, you know, 10,000 people versus 40,000 people. And I'm the kind of guy I thrive off, you know, the energy in the stadium. Cause I'm a big adrenaline guy when I'm on the mound. I, I, it just amps me up. So, I mean, you can't tell that. Cause like I, when I'm on the mound, I'm like all serious looking cause I'm just super focused on what I'm doing, but I really do love, like it really provides me with some energy. So I would love to pitch in a stadium. that has got like 40,000 people. I think that would be really cool. Boy, you're not alone, man. We're all hoping for that day at some point, uh, not too far down the road. Joy, this has been awesome, man. It's so great to catch up with you a little bit. We're glad you're enjoying some sun down there in Peoria, and we can't wait to see you down at spring training sometime soon. Thanks for hopping on with us tonight. Hey, thanks, guys. Hope it was uh, at least sort of entertaining for you guys and all the listeners out there. To say the least, to say the least. There is Joey Gerber, Mariners reliever. Well, fans, visit the Mariners team store to enter to win a chance for a virtual meet and greet with Mariners pitcher Justin Dunn or top prospect Julio Rodriguez. Stop by any of the four stores located at 4th and Stewart, Alderwood Mall, South Center, or the flagship store at T-Mobile Park now through Wednesday to enter for store hours. Visit Mariners.com slash team store. We've got more hot stove coming right up. Back to more of the hot stove on 710 ESPN Seattle, 710sports.com, and the 710 Seattle Sports app. Hot Stove Report rolls along Aaron Goldsmith and Gary Hill, and we are pleased, as we always are, to welcome in Shannon Dreher to the program. Shannon, we uh, we just heard from Joey Gerber, which just give me some, just give me a little bit of Charlie Furbush flashbacks in some ways. I mean, these are these are two guys cut from a similar cloth. I know you've had some fun interactions with Joby, Joey in his rookie season. Joey was the last one-on-one interview that I did before everything shut down in Peoria. And I had to, it was one of the ones where the media staff had to go in and pull him out of, of the locker room. And we had to go and stand six feet apart, which isn't a problem when you're like four foot 11 and but me and he's what, six, three or whatever. It's naturally the distance was there, but he had me laughing so hard. And it was the funniest thing because he's one of those guys that you hear 
uh, or you see, you see him on paper before you see him in person. You saw his numbers. You saw he had a great season a couple of years ago. And he came out. He's like, you really want to talk to me? And I'm like, yes. And he said, nobody ever talks to me. And when he got going, he was just a riot. And then he would just keep apologizing and say, I'm sorry, I don't do these very often. This is my first interview. And I laughed. I said, me too. But he was just a guy that was a lot of fun to talk to. He looks at things a little bit differently. He's not afraid to have fun and not a bad arm either. Yeah, we enjoyed him uh, trying to convince us that he is shy, <laughs> which I guess, hey, uh, maybe in some circles, maybe, but certainly not to us, which we appreciate. Shy and semi-normal. Yeah, semi is exactly right. Semi-normal, which I also enjoyed. Well, Gary and Shannon, uh, exciting stuff on the prospect front for the Mariners, as it has been for some time. Baseball America just uh, the other day came out with their top 100 prospects for the 2021 season. And it's all, it's incredible. It's incredible what Jerry DePoto and Andy McKay and company have been able to do to retool this farm system. I was trying to think, maybe one of you guys can remember more accurately. It, it, was, it wasn't that long ago, but it's long enough ago that I'm foggy on it, that there was a time where the Mariners had either none or one top 100 prospect. And I feel like it was Alex Jackson. Is any of that ringing true? Yeah, there were they were really kind of up and down and then really, really down for a couple of years. And uh, that was actually Dakota was here because he was trying to build up the big league club at, at the time. And so that really, um, you know, hurt the minor league club. But um, I've got actually in front of me because this is something that I have tracked every year. But the prospect three or snips or clipped him out of uh of uh, of the different years when they came along. 2016, your top prospect was Alex Jackson. Uh, Edwin Diaz followed. Drew Jackson was number three. Uh, then you had Tyler O'Neill, Luis Gohara, DJ Peterson, Nick Neidert, Boog Powell in your top 10. Oh. Braden Bishop, Andrew Moore. The next year, Kyle Lewis was in there, and that looked a little bit better there. And then it started going more in that direction. But um, you, you had a, a number of names that uh, would – be rather well down the list uh, back then. And uh, it was tough. And basically it was a matter of kind of taking their number one pick and putting them on the hundred. It's amazing to think about when you look at this current list and there's five Mariners in the top 100. And I, you know, we just had this conversation with Anthony Castrovance not too long ago in this episode. And we were talking about kind of how the division is shaping up, not only for this next year, but kind of the next three years. And, how a couple of teams, you know, Houston and Oakland, you're not exactly sure what's going to happen there the next couple of years. It's it's interesting when you look at this list that the Mariners have as many top 100 prospects as the rest of the division combined. Five Mariners and five for the rest of the AL West, which I, I think is pretty interesting in context of this conversation. So is that a good thing, Gary? I, I would say yes. <laughs> if you're a Mariner fan, I would say that's a good thing. <laughs> It's inc- yeah. it's inc- it's incredible. <laughs> Astros, Athletics, and Rangers each have one. The Angels have two, and the Mariners have five. Some quick stats because everybody's wondering well, who are the five. We've got a pretty good idea. I mean, we're, we were just saying that not long ago the Mariners had one in the top one hundred. They now have two in the top five. Uh, when you look at Julio Rodriguez checking in at number three, and Jared Kelnick at number four. Logan Gilbert thirty five. Emerson Hancock, 57, and Noel B. Marte, the young shortstop, at 73. So the Mariners have five in the top 100 and a two in a, just the top five. I mean, it, it is really incredible. The, the depth 
that they have built. But then also, as we've talked about on the program in weeks past, the the high end, the high ceiling, the very top end talent and guys like Julio and Kalnick and even and Logan Gilbert and, and the list goes on. Right. And you talk about those that didn't make that list. And that includes George Kirby and Taylor Trammell, but they're right there. So yeah, I think, you know, I, I think we are getting a little more accustomed to seeing the, the, the bigger number of prospects on the top 100. And now I think what you want to look for is that depth. You want to be able to do what the Padres did a month ago. And that takes having you know large numbers of prospects, not just at the top. And we're starting to see it fill in throughout the organization. One of your conversations last week that I found really interesting was with Kyle Glazer of Baseball America. And he talked about, you know, when you're looking at the plan and what they're trying to do, and you're looking at the clubs and where your window is, you do have to keep an eye on those other clubs. And the one thing that I took a look at this week, and these rankings will change as players graduate from them. And as there's another draft, but Uh, The Astros and the A's picked up top 10 international picks and big picks. These are the ones where they basically spent their entire budget or near their entire budgets on these two players. And, you know, that's one way to boost up your, your farm system. And I think these are players that are worth keeping an eye on, but they're just one player to each organization. So uh, I think that when you put it in a context of the rest of the division, which ultimately is what is most important, you have to win your division first, or you, you know, it, you, there are wild cards, but the goal is to win the division. Uh, they're head and shoulders above in, in farm system rankings right now. You know, one of the things I really enjoyed about looking at this top 100, I, I've had fun with the Kelnick Julio conversation when we talk to evaluators and they kind of give us their take on, how they ranked Julio over Kelnick, or in some cases, Kelnick or over Julio. And it's funny, even in this scenario where you see the every, everyone ranked, right? And even in this scenario, they're all, they're not separated at all. You have three and four, they're side by side <laughs> in this as well. They just can't be separated, which is great. And so, hi. I mean, it was a little bit yeah. jarring when I click, clicked on it this morning and it was like, my gosh, really? The two right at the top, two in the top five, that was even though we've been following them all along, that was pretty exciting. And then when we get into the season, I'm going to be so interested to see Logan Gilbert. I mean, we heard the reports on him, saw him a little bit down at the alternate site, but uh, he just got stronger and he kind of made up for lost time and not so much in in being able to, to go out there and play in actual games, but he lost time off the top when he had uh, the mono, but I mean, from everything I hear, it sounds like he's ready to go. He's polished and he's also matured a little bit, aged a little bit more, gotten a little bit bigger, gotten a little bit stronger. I can't wait to see that. And then Emerson Hancock, it's exciting to have a prospect, a pitching prospect uh, to debut that high on the list because a lot of the times when you're looking at the Mariners pitchers, uh, they aren't that obvious guy. Usually it's a guy that's a little bit more of a command guy. And Emerson Hancock is a guy. He is the guy, you know, as far as that type of pitcher and top of the rotation projecting type pitcher. So that was a lot of fun to see. And Noel Marte at just 19, uh, moving his way up a little bit already in that list. That's exciting as well. And then kind of a wild card. who I don't think we're going to see on a, a list for a while, but have you seen any of um, Sam Carlson's workout pictures? Yeah, Sam is, you know, we, we last <laughs> saw Sam at, at Target Field with uh, a pair of Ray-Bans and a white undershirt on looking like a uh, pretty well put together high school senior. And now he's like a full-fledged man. It's, uh, we, he's, been, he's been in the shadows for a long time because of surgery, but man, he's, he's looking like the real deal, which of course he was expected to be as a second round pick. 
he was, but with such a you know catastrophic injury and, and taking you know the, the ups and downs and coming back, you, you didn't see that. But it's been a lot of fun getting his story, and not just getting his story, but seeing that he's competent enough to put that stuff out there. He's putting a lot of those videos out and doing the social media thing with it, and it's like, hey, guys, don't forget about me here. So that was a lot of fun to watch. And then also hearing really good things about Gilbert, who's not – on the list as well. And one of the things, well, the guys, you know, couldn't play and, and, and organize games this year, the younger guys, and some didn't even get to the alternate site. Uh, a good point has been made by a lot of people in player development. They had a full year to develop to their bodies, to their pitches. You know, if you're going to add a pitch, now's the time to do it. If you're going to try and add velocity, now is the time to do it. And you hear about players um, like Kirby, who actually was down on the site, but also like Wyatt Mills, who came in and was completely different and the velocity you know the dramatic increase on what he was doing it's going to be really interesting to see these guys and what this list is going to look like mid-season because let's not forget the list that they're putting out here right now a lot of these guys really weren't seen very much if, and if at all so it'll be really interesting to see where they go we know we've had the conversations we've seen a little bit about the mariners who are on there i'm interested to see how this list evolves as more is known about others shannon as always it's good to hear your voice good to catch up with you a little bit yeah, you too. There she is, Shannon Dreyer. Well, fans visit the Mariners team store to enter to win a chance for a virtual meet and greet with Mariners pitcher Justin Dunn or top prospect, just talking about him, Julio Rodriguez. Stop by any of the four stores located at 4th and Stewart, Alderwood Mall, South Center, or the flagship store at T-Mobile Park. Now through Wednesday to enter for store hours, visit mariners.com slash team store. More coming up on the Hot Stove Report right after this. All things Mariners, all off-season. The Hot Stove on 710 ESPN Seattle, 710sports.com, and the 710 Seattle Sports app. We wrap things up on the Hot Stove Report. Aaron Goldsmith and Gary Hill. And maybe you did not know this, but this wraps up day one of the Mariners virtual baseball bash. It runs today through Saturday, January 30th. 60 Mariners, 60 events. It's a two-week series of online events and activities across all Mariners digital platforms. This is like nothing that has ever been done. It's truly incredible. And Gary, uh, to give us an example of one of the incredibly (laughs) unique things that we can take part of and witness, uh, tell us what you'll be doing tomorrow with Carson Vitale, Mariners field coordinator. I'm really excited about this. I think this is going to be amazing. So Carson Vitale... He's a runner, like no joke. He, his goal this upcoming season, and he's doing it for charity, and we'll talk to him about it coming up on Instagram tomorrow. I'm going to have a conversation with Carson while he's running. His goal this next year is to run over 3,500 miles, 10 miles a day this year. And so I'm going to talk to him while he's running because unlike – me and most people, he can hold a conversation while running. So as he's tooling around Seattle – uh, we'll be taking your questions and we'll be talking to Carson, which is great. He's a great guy. And this is, this is going to be amazing. It's going to be, we're gonna, it, I can't wait for that. We are going to have so many Mariners personalities take part of this over the next two weeks. Some big name guys, JP Crawford, Marco Gonzalez, Kyle Seeger, uh, two guys down on the farm system, like uh, Sam Delaplane, Mariners pitcher, Mariners minor league pitcher. We'll be doing a Twitter takeover tomorrow. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. You can catch the full lineup, the full schedule of players and events and which platforms they'll be on, mariners.com slash baseball bash. This is truly one of a kind, and we're so excited that this is wrapping up day one of this two-week ongoing event. 
That just about does it for tonight's Hot Stove Report. We had a series of wonderful guests on the program tonight, Gary, including Anthony Castrovince, writer for MLB.com, who explains to us how he feels this Mariners team is shaping up over the next two to three years. When you build it the right way, the way they have, when you do create a strong farm system and have financial flexibility to go with it, you know, it might not be in 2021, but that's certainly a team that, you know, I, I feel pretty bullish on their long-term projection, you know, long-term being, you know, the next two to three years. We also heard from Joey Gerber, who is really excited about pitching in front of people this upcoming season. I'm the kind of guy I thrive off, you know, the energy in the stadium because I'm a big adrenaline guy. When I'm on the mound, I, I it just amps me up. So, I mean, you can't tell that because, like, I, when I'm on the mound, I'm, like, all serious looking because I'm just super focused on what I'm doing. But I really do love, like, it really provides me with some energy. So I would love to pitch in a stadium that's got, like, 40,000 people. I think that would be really cool. For the first time in Hot Stove Report history, we had two guests on simultaneously, Justice Sheffield and pitching coach Pete Woodworth. And Woody described to us how he sees the Mariners in the future. The, the flood is coming. Um, yeah. We've we've kind of been been building the the foundation in in the player development arena um, in the minor leagues these past four or five years, um, and now you know we're starting to see the the players that we've drafted you know taking over that that mold and, and building on top of that. Our thanks to all of the wonderful guests who joined the program tonight. And Gary, as always, if folks miss part of the Hot Stove Report or they just simply want to hear some of it again, where can they listen to it tomorrow? You can find it at Mariners Pod. With a new logo. I'm thinking about getting <laughs> Mariner Spot. At Mariner Spot. There, there is a new the logo. The will be up. Very fancy, very fancy logo. It is up to, uploaded with the latest Hot Stove Report the morning following. Thanks to the hard work from our very own Gary Hill. So for Gary Hill, who all who made this one possible tonight, I'm Aaron Goldsmith. We'll talk to you again next Tuesday at 7 o'clock.